Welcome to the very first episode of Ambitious. This is a podcast where I, Ammon, interview some people who I am interested in and who have interesting lives, who maybe my life is intertwined with, and just my thoughts about life, business, photography, and other ambitious topics. Is that good? That was really good. <laughs> so this is episode one, and my very first guest today is Nicole Wynn. Nicole is a high school friend who has gone on to do great things, which we'll talk about. I'm really excited to talk to her today. So, Nicole, without further ado, say hi. Hi. Thank you, Emma, so much for having me on your show and allowing me to... Uh, speak to all your audience and your guests and to reunite with you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me in your house. You've been a gracious host. It's been d- d- delightful to stay here. Welcome to Seattle. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're doing this episode in Seattle at Nicole's beautiful home in Renton, mm-hmm. which I've never been here before. It's, it's great. I love it. It's so quaint and Really nice outside the city. I loved Seattle today. That was so fun. You're a great tour guide. Thanks. It's my <laughs> second time part-time job. Oh, I really? Do for free. Yeah. Oh, well, if I would have known that, I would have given you a tip. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I want to start off by talking about our friendship, how we met. And I have a couple of specific questions. Okay. So, first, let's just kind of do a general talk about our friendship, how we met, and have grown and both become entrepreneurs. So let's start with high school. We met in high school. Yes, we did. Well, actually, no. I, The first time I laid eyes on you was when you were in eighth grade. So technically, I was in middle school. But you were in high school because you're a year older than me. You're in my brother's class. Yes. Yeah. Me and your brother, Paul, were best friends. Yes, BFFs. Mm, and yeah. me and your sister were BFFs. We were in the same class. Yeah. My sister, Kaylin. That's right. Shout Hi, out, Kaylin. <laughs> So, um, gosh, I don't really know what to say about high school. High school was fun. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. We were neighbors right next door. Oh, yeah. That was great. Yeah. And we went to school together in your pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to, to music in yes. your pickup truck. Simple plan. Simple and all that plan. Other emo music. Yep. It was great. And, you know, 2006, 2005. Yeah. That and was fun. No, no more after that. <laughs> Wait, why? Oh, because cause that's the only years that you lived there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. But so you grew up in that town, right? Yes. Uh, I grew up in Coquille, Oregon. It's a really small, tiny town in, on the east or on the west coast of Oregon. Um, like a hick town. Very hick town. But you're yes. not a hick. I don't classi- classify myself as a hick. No, I <laughs> classify myself as very versatile. and. Oh, okay. I would have said classy. Classy. I'll take that too. But versatile, I think, is better. Yeah. I can blend in yes. pretty much everywhere I go. You, you do well. You do well at like a, a party at Dan Bilzerian's house. You fit <laughs> in just fine. I'm not trying to name drop here. <laughs> but then you More also... More so in like a pizza party, you know, or, uh, you know, in Las Vegas. Yeah. Or in Coquille, Oregon, in a small hick town. Yeah. You, you, do fit, you fit in well with a very diverse crowd, crowd. Mm-hmm. i agree 
Yes. Yeah, that's a skill for yeah. sure. So went from Coquille, small town, Oregon. Actually moved to Coos Bay to graduate my senior year to play golf competitively. Oh, yeah. 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 Band in Dunes. Band in Dunes. Did you ever meet Michael Jordan? I did not meet Michael Jordan. I have not had the pleasure of meeting Michael Jordan. Mm. I know he golfs there. He did, yes. My sister was a um, cleaning lady in their cabins, and she got a tip from him. No way. Yeah. Your sister? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. Cool story, bro. Yeah, so we've been friends for what? 15 (laughs) Yeah, since like 2005, 2004. Yeah, because I was a freshman in 2004, so yeah. Yeah. What year is it now? 2019? Mm Mm-hmm. Officially. <laughs> What's the math? Four. 14 years. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. 14. 15. 15. Wow. Doesn't and look seem at like us it. now. Yeah. Look at us now. It's been great. Mm-hmm. So, okay. What did you think? Uh, well, first, before I ask another question about high school, I want to ask you about your company real quick. Just like yeah. give, me, give me like a brief rundown of, of what you do now. Yeah, I just to back up a little bit, um, going from Coquille and how I got to where I'm at right now, I went, I worked for a social media marketing company down in LA and we hosted a lot of Shark Tank events and my previous bosses, they owned a lot of handles on Instagram, like at makeup, at marijuana, at weed, at weed humor. And we had this Shark Tank event where it was cannabis focused and me growing up in Coquille with my strict parents, <laughs> I was not allowed to even look. I actually didn't even really knew what, know what weed was until college. I had no really? idea. I had no idea. I was so sheltered sheltered and naive about really drugs in general. I never saw it. I never was around it. And my parents just, I think, sheltered me so much from it that I wasn't educated on it at all. Kind of a straight shooter or, or straight the way shooter. you would define yourself as a square Square. bear yep i am a square bear (laughs) (laughs) so when we did this cannabis event i found out about cbd and i thought to myself wait there's something that helps somebody that doesn't make you high and you can sell it and so i went and did my research this was october of 2017 or 2016 so a couple years ago yes and I thought that this was a great opportune moment to not only get into a market early, but also help people. And my passion is to help people. So I now own a CBD company called Change by Day, acronym for CBD. <laughs> I didn't put that together until <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> TBH. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You know, I kind of made it incognito a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I did. How I got the name is when I was sitting there from the event. I was thinking, okay, if I were hypothetically thinking, if I were to start a CBD company, what would I call it? Okay, CBD, what's it an acronym for? Change by day. And I thought of change by day because each day we have a new opportunity to create something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and each day also brings on new and different challenges that you may not expect. And so approaching each day with that mentality of changing each day in a positive, positively progressive way um, is really, truly inspiring. And to live in that sort of thought process um, is something that I strive to do every day. So I thought change by day. And I said, 
let me just look at the domain and see if it's available. It was like two ninety nine, and I said, I'm just gonna buy it just because. Two dollars ninety nine. Two dollars ninety nine cents. What? Yeah. <laughs> so I bought it, changebyday.com. And I sat on it for a little bit and I kept telling myself, no, you know, you're, you don't own businesses. You just run businesses because at the time I was a CEO of a social media marketing company. So this is the first business that's ever been yours. This is the first business that's ever been mine. Yes. I've operated other businesses, things like that. However, I've never had something my own. And as much as I kept pushing it away, life would just happen in funny ways where it would push it right back in. And so I decided to go for it and and resign from my previous job and go full force into the CBD industry. Nice. Yeah. So looking at you now, from my perspective, and when I knew you 15 years ago in high school. With my braces. <laughs> yes, your teeth are very nice and straight now. Thank you. Four years. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> So I I can see that in you. Like I know in high school, you were always the type of girl who was very kind and helpful and teacher's favorite, which we <laughs> spoke about today. <laughs> it was thank obvious. The, it, the, the teachers loved you. Everybody was very drawn to you. Mm, you had this nice you. warm energy. And so now doing what you do, and I've seen you on your Instagram do a lot of educational videos, teaching mm-hmm. people, inspiring people. There is a there's a correlation like Mm -hmm. it's it's clear that like it's not far off course of what i would have seen you doing Hmm. so my question what did you think i would do after high school (laughs) i thought you were going to be some sort of a comedian are you serious yes you and paul i thought you guys were going to do something in like show business or i thought one i thought Paul is my brother, by the way, those who are listening. He's my older brother um, that grew up with Am and they were best friends. And they were two peas in a pod. They were inseparable. (laughs) And it was the same with me and his sister, which was really, really cool that we both got to experience that. But you guys were so goofy, so fun, so energetic, so loving. And people were drawn to you guys. And you guys were just authentically your guys' selves. And I thought you guys, one, were going to, be inseparable forever and two i thought you guys were going to do something doing comedy because you guys are so funny <laughs> like stand-up comics or something in i don't know some kind of a show business some sort of show business something something huh. where you can really show your personality and knowing you now that's not really far off of what you're doing right now you're really showcasing your personality and i so think you, that, that was meant to be so you'd say that i compare pretty closely to how the high school version of me I think you over like overpass that you you have really sh- outshone yourself and um, you're doing it in, a, in such a unique and powerful way where you're showing yourself. You're not reading somebody else's script. You're not reading else reading somebody else's play or what they're writing. You're reading your own life and what you feel and what you say. So I think it's better. Nice. That's because of my ambitious yeah ambitious ambitious personality <laughs> attitude whatever you want to call it yeah absolutely and well, it's not thanks. easy to do that it's not easy to especially in today's society it's not easy to just authentically be yourself yeah that's a big thing that i try to um really incorporate into into all of my work mm-hmm. is just authenticity um which yeah i mean i have a t-shirt <laughs> I have a t-shirt that literally says authenticity, bitch. Oh, (laughs) 
I do. I swear. <laughs> it's real. I have that. I tell Karen. <laughs> do it. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so I think that, because I've tried to do a lot of, not like educational videos, mm-hmm. but just like what you're saying with wanting to do something nice for the world and, and bring positivity to people's lives and smiles. That's what I do, but I really use my personality and authenticity to portray that. And I think that that's why people um, like to follow me because they like my authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I hope to bring to this podcast as well. Yeah. And I think you will do that. And you're all doing that. Yeah, I try. I'm sad, though, that Paul and I aren't in show business together. That would be sweet. Yeah. I mean, you guys should do a podcast show together. That would be dope. Yeah. Paul's gotten really into like sports betting. Which I'm not good at. <laughs> you know, we were just speaking about this earlier as well. Is when you're a kid, you think that the people around you are going to be around you forever and ever and ever and ever. And mm-hmm. you're going to follow all these dreams and aspirations, but somehow you're still going to be next door neighbors. Yeah. Um, and that's not how life is. And, you know, it can be a little, little cumbersome, but at the it end of the day, be. to have the tools that we have today, like, Skype and Zoom and FaceTime and all of these things were able to connect face to face, which I think is is really, really cool. And especially in the business field too, with with business and entrepreneurial life, a lot of the work that is being done is using contracted labor. And when you use contracted labor, it's when you know you have other people that are working for you, but they're remote. So in order to have that true connection with the manager the employer the staff um, and just creating that company energy Mm -hmm. those tools like skype zoom and facetime are really important too not just in business but also your family your friends and keeping in touch so yeah i only use them to facetime caitlin (laughs) basically um i've actually what you were just talking about how you kind of think that you know, your friends that you have in high school will all be your friends after high school. And mm-hmm. that's, that's how I, I'm kind of sentimental with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I get attached to certain emotions and, and memories and feelings. And then I, when I, when they pass and you, and you grow up and move on, I get really nostalgic for those types of, of feelings. And so I, I think about all of them all the time and I get that nostalgic feeling. And so I resist it. Mm. because I I don't like feeling nostalgic. I don't like feeling sad. And so I resist them or I cope by being lighthearted, being funny, mm-hmm. um, or disassociating. So lately I've been trying to allow myself to be more nostalgic and to be more uh, just sad. Like mm-hmm. if I feel sad, if, I, if something is coming up in my... Where's the emotion center in the brain? The hippocampus? The hippocampus. Nice. Wow. That was a really good guess. <laughs> but yeah, I just kind of, I let myself, I allow myself to just feel it, mm-hmm. um, which I think, which I think is good. And I've, I've done, I've actually been doing a lot of research lately about like just emotional health, mental health, because I found out like five, four or five years ago that I have ADD. So in a lot of my research, I've, I mean, there's like medications you could take like Adderall help with focus and mental clarity um, which I have considered taking but I didn't want to do anything like Adderall Mm because I like all the side effects of like losing your appetite and not being able to sleep and so I 
with CBD becoming such a huge industry, I like kind of got into it and I was like, I'm going to try this. Like everybody mm-hmm. raves about it and talks about it. And then you started talking about it too. And so I got some from like one of those dealers off the street that are just like, yeah, buy this super low dose. Opens a cloak jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. And I, I got this super low dose and it did nothing. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely nothing. So I was like upping the dose, like squirting the whole bottle into my mouth. But then I found yours, your CBD company, Change by Day, and I started taking it. And I did notice a little bit of a difference just with my like mental fog. My brain fog is the only way I know how to explain it. Make me more alert and like more focused. But I don't really have anxiety or like hyperactivity. So it would make me kind of like sluggish. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one, um, first, d- FDA disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> CBD yeah. does not cure or treat. It's not. It's not been uh, studied by the FDA to do all those. However, um, with the with CBD and how it works with your body, what it does is it you have your skeletal system, you have your nervous system, and then you have your endocannabinoid system. And they just discovered this about thirty years ago, or no, 40, 50 years ago, nineteen seventy. Oh, really? Yeah. And so they just discovered we had this whole new system in our body, the endocannabinoid system. And we have our CB1 receptors, which are in our brain. So this is our mood, our thoughts, um, our pain receptors, things like that. And then we have our CB2, which is in the rest of our body. And those CB2 receptors are uh, regulators for inflammation. So you can see how this, these receptors balance out your body so it's known to it's known to help with the homeostasis in your body so say that say for example you drink caffeine for what daily <laughs> i seriously do <laughs> so you get why do you drink caffeine uh, well to help with my focus i feel like it helps with okay my focus focus it doesn't give me more energy like it's i know it's a stimulant but it doesn't yeah. have the opposite effect okay so for caffeine what caffeine does for a lot of people who are looking for for caffeine to have that energy we have a certain chemical in our body that we produce it's called adenosine yeah. so adenosine when you drink caffeine it blocks the adenosine from being released into your body oh so your body can use it so oh, imagine shoot. do i need that do i need adenosine you do need adenosine well i'm not things, getting it <laughs> things that our body is naturally producing we need you know where yeah. our body produces it for Does a reason right sense. it's called evolution <laughs> so makes sense imagine a funnel and the adenosine is being poured in the funnel and at the end of the funnel where it comes out caffeine is blocking that Mm. so now you just get this clog of adenosine Mm. and then as the caffeine wears out the floodgates open and then all all of a sudden you just have this rush what does adenosine do adenosine calms you relaxes you oh yeah so the adenosine in your body gives you that calming and relaxing effect Okay. So if caffeine blocks it, you get adrenaline because no adenosine is being oh. released in your body. Well, ha- that doesn't happen for me, though. It doesn't happen for you? No. Like I said, when I take caffeine, it has the opposite effect. It doesn't give me adrenaline. It okay. gives me it gives me that focus and like my, the ability to concentrate. Okay. So but not the... Not the sleepy? Uh, or it, not it the rush? It does make me... Well, not sleepy, but just like... Yeah. 
just kind of the same, whatever, no rush. Okay. So if the if you drink the caffeine, it's blocking something or it's enhancing something it, unnaturally in your body. For most people, when the adenosine is blocked with the caffeine blocks, the adenosine uh, production, not production, but releasing in your body. Right. So when you do, when the caffeine does wear off, you get a rush of adenosine and that rush of adenosine makes you crash exactly Mm, i'm follow yes you follow (laughs) so with cbd cbd encourages your body to absorb more of the adenosine so you're able to get as much cbd helps cbd helps with that and so cbd acts as a natural cheerleader in your body to tell your body communicate at a cellular level to to absorb more adenosine or to release more adenosine so mine's like cheerleader on steroids because it's like making me sluggish so also another thing that our body produces is glutamate do you know what glutamate is heard of it so glutamate helps with focus oh so when you get too much glutamate that's bad for your body too much focus too much glutamate it's it but getting the right amount of adenosine and the right amount of glutamate that's calming effect and focus, you mm. get a calming focus effect. Mm. And that's so where the that's homeostasis what, comes back. Yes. And that's nice. where CBD is really known to to enhance and have is the balance between the adenosine and the glutamate. Not mm. just those two chemicals specifically, but all the chemicals within our body. Mm-hmm. So that can be serotonin, that can be dopamine, any of these chemicals in our body, CBD works at a cellular level to be a, act as a messenger to mm. absorb more of these that our body is already naturally producing. So okay. you're not adding in more dopamine. You're not adding in more serotonin. You're you're utilizing more of what your body body already produces. Gotcha. Well, freak, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So instead of you know solving putting a bandaid over one thing and <laughs> adding more stuff in your body, it's it's more so of using what your body already has and naturally naturally doing so so that's what i thought was really cool about cbd it's like you're not having all these extra side effects and one proud moment of my whole journey in having this company is my mom i mean my mom was taking and i'm not saying you know replace all your medicine with cbd (laughs) obviously talk to your doctor things like that good disclaimer definitely um and and you know if you are looking to get into cbd Look, do your research. Make sure that you're looking for credible companies. Make sure you can get access to their lab results. And like Am said, Ams, is that okay? I call you Ams on the podcast. You can call me okay, Am perf. or Ams. Perf. Well, Am because ambitious. Ambitious. Okay. So <laughs> Am said earlier that he met the guy with the cloak that had that had CBD oil in his in his inner jacket, yeah. lighting jacket. So with CBD. You know, there's no regulatories of how much you should take. However, the studies have shown that taking 10 milligrams minimum has the effect that's going to help. Um, That's not a fact. It's just what people have been saying that works for them. So if you get a bottle, and most of the bottles are the same size, Mm -hmm. um, if you get a bottle that has 100 milligrams, and you like, try to take that. <laughs> that means you have to take the whole bottle, the whole bottle, basically, or like you know, like a fourth of the bottle, or whatever it may and be. And on the back, it says, "Take two drips." 
two uh, droppers. The, yeah, 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 for the oil. Like yeah. take two drop, put two drops of this under your tongue. Yeah. Which is like, what, 0.8? Yeah. Milligrams of actual CBD, which yeah. is and, nothing. Okay, but if you do want to start off that low, that low of a dose, start off with that, that low of a dose, but don't pay for a 500 to 1,000 milligram bottle the same price of that than you do a hundred milligrams. So just do your research. Cause if companies are charging $50 for $50, $60, $70 for a hundred milligram bottle, mm-hmm. they're ripping you off and they're only out there for the money. And that's another reason why I got in this industry because I'm really trying to produce a product that helps people, but also be reasonable, not just go in it for the money, but doing yeah. it for the bigger cause, you know? So just be careful about the companies that you select. Do your research and um, lab results, pricing, and you know what they have in it. Make sure that there's no metals, solvents, things like that. Yeah, I did none of that research <laughs> at all. Well, the guy with the cloak probably had that a great. Okay, smile. it wasn't like a li- actual <laughs> cloak. It was in a building, like a store. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now that we've hit the scientific stuff, which you've proven to be very knowledgeable about, can we talk, is it okay if we talk like a little bit about just like what it's like to be an entrepreneur as a, well, just what it's like to be a woman in, in a, well, once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's it like to be a woman, period. <laughs> No, no. What's what is it like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry? And I'm not talking about the CBD industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the business world, because you're a businesswoman and you've kind of maintained. You've been in the business world for a couple year, like years now. Yeah. How many years? Six years. Uh, probably like five or six years. Ever since now? the LA thing. Yeah. So what's that like? What's that like being a woman in that kind of an industry? Yeah. So. There are obviously some hurdles with being a woman and having an authoritative position in business. One being, and not to, in the most humbling way, if you are an attractive woman, it goes even further than that. Because when you're starting off at a position, I started off as an executive assistant and the sort of language that I would get when I would first meet people or if they would get comfortable with me later, they would be like, oh, I thought you just got the job because. But now that I know you, I know that that's not true. Do you have proper like schooling, like a bachelor's degree or anything? So I had a full ride scholarship to University of Oregon and I got all straight A's. My thing was I was not, I knew I wasn't getting a degree in anything that I was going to use. Um, I wasn't passionate about it. And I thought at the time that it's my life and I want to be happy and I want to figure out what I truly, truly want to do instead of wasting a scholarship where somebody else can fully utilize it. Because I had a nursing scholarship and I I realized I didn't want to work in a hospital and I didn't want to be a nurse. So I could get a degree. Yeah, I could spend the next two and a half years to get the degree. But what really would that have gotten me to what I really want to do? And I think it was the best decision that I made. Because so you got no degree? I have no degree. Wow. Yeah. Look how far you've come. Yeah. And so, so how did you get that job? Funny story. So I was working in Vegas. So 
back up a little bit more. When I decided that I was no longer going to be in college, I told my parents, I said, I'm not happy. I'm getting all these great grades. I can do this school in my sleep, but I'm not happy. And I know I'm not working towards something that I, I truly want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. They told me that they'd be happy if I worked at McDonald's. And so the only person that I knew from my family that lived outside of the state of Oregon where I grew up was my brother, Paul. Paul. Hey, Paul. Yeah. Hey, Paul. He lived in Las Vegas, Nevada. So I packed my car with $200 in my pocket and... I've never heard this story. Oh, yeah. It's riveting. Yeah. $200 in my pocket and drove down, packed my car, drove down to to Las Vegas. And at the time, I mean, I don't really want to call Paul out, but... (laughs) At the time he was living with... He might not listen to this. Yeah, he might not. Let's, let's hope not. Uh, he, <laughs> was living, <laughs> <laughs> he was living with his girlfriend, his girlfriend's mom, and their two dogs and their two cats. And it was a very small apartment, and they hardly let the animals out. So I decided that a better option would be to live out of my car. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes, yes. I had a Dodge Durango <laughs> at the time, so it could fit all my stuff and uh, my no body. <laughs> and you did that? I did that. For how long? Uh, for, I would say, like, a couple months or so. What? Yeah. And then I met in an interview. One of the interviews that I met previously was my good friend now, Natalie. And we met in the same interview. And we we became friends. And in Las Vegas, as soon as you get hired from a job, you have to go take a drug test. And they cut your hair, like a chunk out of your hair. <laughs> no yeah, way. Yeah, they ch- take a chunk out of your hair. So we went wow. and did that together. And she saw... That's how they drug test you? Yeah. When I just... A urine test, like a normal. Because urine is like a 24 to 36 hour thing. Uh-huh. Uh, your hair is months. Like it, it, you can cut your hair and you can look at it and test it and it will go back as long as it, how long that's old. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So what was the interview for? It was for a cocktail position Okay. in Las Vegas. Yeah. So... We became good friends and she said, hey, you don't have to live out of your car. You can stay with me and my friend. We're staying at the budget suite behind the wind. <laughs> Way better. Yeah. The TV swiveled from the living room to the bedroom. It was it was pretty interesting. But we did that and, you know, we came, we really came up. And I, I worked at um, a few different places cocktailing. And, you know, cocktailing is, is a really fun job. However, it, it can – you can lack – brain stimulation so what i would do is i would it's a good way of putting it i would i would challenge myself by trying to remember as many orders that i could without writing them down and going back so at the time i was working at the foundation room in las vegas um up at the top and there's a higher clientele up there and i remember a party came in of about 20 20 some people and they're sitting outside in the patio where that was my area and i started Asking, asking what they want, introduce myself, and they started going. And about halfway through, maybe like a quarter way through, this guy's like, Do, don't you want to write this down? Are you going to write this down? His name was Nick, by the way. And I said... Still remember? Yeah, Do you remember, remember his order? I don't remember his order, <laughs> but I remember his name because we, we became friends later. But nice. he, uh, I was like, no, I got it. And they're like, wow. And so I got all the orders and I, um, I memorized it, went back and... Flawless. The, yeah. Well, it wasn't flawless. I did forget an extra olive that somebody ordered in their dirty martini. How dare you? I know. But they were really impressed with that. And the guy offered me a job. 
really? one of the guys. Yeah, one of the guys. They own an investment firm out there, and they said we want you know we want to interview you. Like you're you're great. We think that you'd be great for our firm. And um, oh, just because your memorization skills. Well, that and they came in a few more times, and oh. I would converse with them and okay. talk to them, and and I would ask you know questions about what they do and like you know what what stimulates them, what excites them, and what they're gotcha. looking for and goals in their company, things like that, hmm. and. At the time, actually, I already accepted the job to California because oh. a couple weeks before that, I had one of my mentors in Las Vegas. He's a casino host. He introduced me to one of his friends, my previous boss, Dan Fleischman. And Don't know him. He has a great guy. He has a charity called Model Citizen Fund. It's a charity for the homeless. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he collects donations, and then 100% of the proceeds goes to, to creating these backpacks for the homeless. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you doing that a lot. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, you can really touch lives. And what it does is it gives the homeless people hope. And that's truly what the homeless people need is is hope. You know, yeah. if they're if they don't have hope, then what you know, what truly are they striving yeah. for? Um, so, yeah, I met him and he said he had this charity. And he, I said, I love doing charity work. If you ever need help, let me know. He needed help. I helped him out. And then after that, he was like, let me hire you. <laughs> And I was like, in that tone, yeah, let me hire, let me hire you. And I said, no. And I kept, I kept saying no. And finally, uh, you know, it kind of goes back to what you're saying before. What what I was thinking when you were saying about feelings, about being uncomfortable. And I think that's the bottom line of what everything comes down to. It's like, when you Mm. feel uncomfortable, what do you do? Do you resist it or do you go through it? And I think at the time I was very comfortable with my life. I was making great money in Las Vegas and I can take vacations whenever I wanted to. So you resisted something that introduced any kind of uncomfortable or change. Yeah. And I didn't know anybody in California. I would be going out there by myself. I mean, I kind of went out to Vegas by myself, but now I created a whole new group of people in Las Vegas that I really Mm -hmm. enjoy being around. So, and then I asked myself like, what do I really want my life? And, Am I, do I want to do this for the rest of my life? No. So doors are opening. Let's let's take the leap of faith. So I went out to L.A. and started off as an executive assistant. And like I said, you know, especially in the entertainment business, a lot of women get looked down upon if they have a position to where somebody thinks they might have cheated their way there. Oh. Um, but as soon as people got to know me, I never got the I never got that accusation. It well, was you're very well person. spoken, and you seem like you have you know, things to say, you're opinionated, you're a strong woman. Thanks. So I think that when, I mean, I could be <laughs> so wrong. Like, I think when men think that, it's because the girl, like, doesn't seem to have any kind of a a brain or, mm-hmm. or she doesn't seem Scarecrow. well-spoken. Yeah, just kind of like a shell. So they're like, okay, well, she doesn't have much substance, so mm-hmm. why, why is she in this position? Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe. But it could be. Yeah, possibly. Just my opinion. I think it's like a, that's another thing with women too. You know, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. Versus just what you see. You see a man in a suit, you think, oh, he's successful. You see a woman in a suit, you're like, oh, how'd she get there? Yeah, that's a good point. And it's not even, it couldn't even, it doesn't have to be sexually. It's just like, oh, how did she get there? It's just a question, right? Yeah. Because there's more men that are in higher positions than women. So it's either a, it's either a, 
envious how did she get there mm-hmm. uh curious how did she get there mm-hmm. so that's kind of the hurdle i think with women in in within business and with the business that i was in i started off ex- as an executive assistant and i worked my way up to a, a chief of operations of the company so for me it was a lot of hard work and it was a lot of dedication and there was because it was a majority man company man uh sorry Male-dominated industry. Male-dominated <laughs> company. Yeah. It was, and at one point, I was the only female. Oh, really? Yeah, I was the only girl. Wow. Yeah, but I can hang with the boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so I quit the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So with women, it's it's more so of just going through hurdles that men usually don't. And I felt myself a few times be and feel very. Um, intimidated when I go into rooms with all men Mm. and you'll see a lot of the times even though if I had stuff to say or if I was the one leading something I would go into a room and if I didn't say anything first they instantly went to my other my two bosses and said okay xyz and wouldn't even look at me Hmm. you know so it's something that you just it's something that you just have to power through and you have to state your dominance and Mm -hmm. and state that you're there yeah do you think that men okay so i feel like i have gone through um similar experiences um but being a man like from a man's perspective Mm -hmm. so i when i first went to college i went for elementary education and the teaching world the teaching industry is a female dominated industry being a being a teacher especially in elementary school Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I wonder if just like listening to you talking, I, I just put myself in that, in that kind of a situation. I think about my experience and, um, whenever I tell people like, Hey, when people would ask, what do you go to school for? And I'm like, Oh, elementary education. They're like, really good for you. (laughs) Just like, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, so I, yeah, I, I think that, I think that men can go through the same thing you know yeah absolutely Um, have you have you experienced any of that before seeing that with the man side yeah or just or noticed it or thought about that before you know i have um i've thought about it actually in the nursing industry my ex-boyfriend is a travel nurse oh cool yeah and i can see how that could be on on the other side of that right but you're still helping people there's not just because there's a stigma of the caring factor, because a lot of women are very nurturing. So nurturing careers are geared towards women. And the same, like you said, it's the same towards women. Yeah. The more masculine, um, authoritative figures are geared towards men. And I can definitely see how that can go back and forth. Yeah. Like when a man, when a man who's a nurse introduces himself as, or tells people that he's a nurse, he doesn't say, I'm a nurse. He says, I'm a male nurse. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I wonder if that's why. I'm a man. I'm a male nurse. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, it doesn't, and it, it, especially in today's age, it really truly doesn't matter, you know, what your background is. It's where your heart is and what you love to do. And like my parents said when I, when I left college, you can work at McDonald's and we would still love you as long as you're happy. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's the goal for each and every one of us. If we want to work at McDonald's and we want to um, be a, 
be a garbage man. My my uncle was a garbage man. I thought it was the coolest thing when I was a kid. Yeah. So why is it that when we're a kid, we think that all these occupations are so cool because we idolize the people behind it. But then when we grow up, it's more so of a, um, a hierarchy type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have the answer. I haven't answered that question. <laughs> I, I don't. I thought it was rhetorical. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I truly, at the end of the day, it's it's a matter of, it's a matter of being happy and living a life that you want to live. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> and that's, to be honest, that's why I left the fire industry, the fire service, not the fire industry. It's not really an industry. Um, I worked extremely hard to get into it. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I could go into it, but it, it's, it's very, very physically demanding. And I was going, that was after I had, done the elementary education thing and I felt like it wasn't for me I tried psychology and I was like that's not for me so I just wanted to do something that was not at a desk didn't have to do with any kind of a just like I I just wanted something with adrenaline something with dudes something that was like intense and physical I thought so I I tried it I did it and it was I I liked the work but I didn't like the culture I just wasn't happy there Mm -hmm. and so not to go like too into the whole background of me in the fire service but yeah I discovered photography and it made me really really happy and took me I've always considered myself kind of a late bloomer and I can I found it late in my 20s and I was like this is freaking dope like I like this a lot and I never really considered myself a creative person I don't know would you consider me a creative like back in high school did you see me as like creative you're very funny on the spot so yes oh well gracias but I never really did. I, I wasn't like artistic or... I was actually talking to your sister today and I was saying how... She's the artistic one. I was saying how your whole family's artistic. And I said, Does your, did your family always do creative things as a family? And she was like, you know what? Actually, I don't think we did. But I think she was in denial because every time I yeah, went over to your guys' house, did. you guys were always doing creative yeah, things. I think, <laughs> yeah. And, and so, but consciously, I never really considered myself a creative mm-hmm. person, but... Um, after just like, because I was doing fire, I had a lot of free time because just the way that the fire hours work, you work, uh, 48 hours on and you get 96 hours off. So you mm. two days on four days off. So I had all this free time. So I would just go hiking, go take pictures, you know, damn race. My wife is at work nine to five. So I would just go hang out take pictures and go hiking. I lived in Southern Utah. I was like, this is actually really fun. I started actually getting into art, like drawing. And just like exploring my creative side. And then I just, over the years, I've never done well with a boss. I've never done well with holding a job. I've never had a job more than like three years at the longest. That was a part-time job. (laughs) So I was just like, you know, maybe I'd be a pretty good entrepreneur. Maybe I'd be a good, my own, uh, I'd be good as my own boss. So, and I took an entrepreneurship course in college and I loved it so yeah I just I was like I'm just gonna do this so after three years in the in the fire service I just decided to quit and pursue the thing that was making me happy the thing that gave me the most freedom and the thing that I felt like I could contribute myself fully to the world and that's why I really tried to I I really tried to uh, be myself be authentic and Sometimes it works. Sometimes people really don't. I, I mean, I, 
I don't think that everybody is for me and I'm not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So not everybody's going to like my content. Not everybody's going to like my authenticity. But Well, not everybody loved Martin Luther King Jr., but he was still a great man. You sure? Yeah. I think everybody loved him. I don't know. <laughs> you can't please everybody. Yeah, and I, I think that the more uh, like pushback that you get, um, like the more opposition you get, it means that you're doing something right. The more haters you get, they're just jealous. Mm-hmm. So jelly, they're so jelly. Haters. Well, is there anything else that you want to say? Yeah, I want to end on a, or at least speak on a positive note, is that you're doing a great job, and and you know you truly love something when you get lost in it. And when I see you do photography and really creating anything you're creating, you are so driven and ambitious. Oh, yes. You really are. And that truly shows that you truly love something. And not a lot of people have figured that out just yet. And you say late bloomer, but Oprah was a late bloomer. Bloomer. Oh, was she? Yes, she was. There's a lot of late bloomers. I believe Bill Gates was a late bloomer. All these people are late bloomers. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them it doesn't mean that they were supposed to do it any quicker it is because that's the way that their life works and this is the way that your life works and you found something that you're very passionate about and i found something that i'm very passionate about and yeah at the end of the day that's that's truly what the goal is and if you find yourself getting so excited and it wakes you up in the morning and you find your why that why is going to be the most exciting part of your life and that's going to get you up in the morning to to be the, your own boss. And if you don't have that why, it's difficult to keep going and keep trucking and keep going through those uncomfortable moments. So congratulations, Sam. Well, you too, Nicole. Congratulations to you too. I think you and I are a lot alike in the way that we have just like, we want to make a positive impact on the world, the way that we're both entrepreneurial and, and business people. <laughs> Is that the right term? Peeps. <laughs> business peeps. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I just think that I, I'm glad that we've kept in touch all these years. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to use you or interview you for my first ever ambitious podcast. I am so honored. <laughs> yeah, just because I thought that you could provide a little bit of insight into um, just yeah, like who I was in high school versus who I am now. And then just mm-hmm. give a little bit of insight into like your business. And I'm still the funny guy he was in high school. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Yeah, ambitious, funny, creative, and a great, great friend. Well, thanks. You too. I'm glad you're in my life. Me dos. Yo tambien. Yo tambien. There you go. Me dos. We'll have to talk about how we're both in interracial relationships the next episode. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, if you guys don't know, Dam Reese, my wife, and I have another podcast called Interracial Marriage with Am and Dam. And Nicole, well, you're not technically technically married. We're not married yet. But you c- it could be interracial relationships with yeah, yeah. and Dam. So yeah. I'm I'm half Vietnamese. Yes. Half, actually half Vietnamese, and then a quarter French. I just found out, and some Irish in there. Oh. Yeah. Interesting, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my boyfriend. We've been together for a few years now. He is Sued. Indian sued it's like food with an s that's actually his last name yeah. yeah i was gonna ask that's not his first name no that's his last name that's his last name because it's easier than his first name what's his first name sarov 
It's not that hard. Well, when you read it. Yeah, I guess. Is it spelled crazy? <laughs> S-A-U-R-A-V. Sarov. Yeah. <laughs> See? Still, did I say it wrong? Yeah. <laughs> what is it again? Sarov. Sarov. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Sarov. <laughs> Don't listen to this. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so he goes by his last name because his last name is simpler. Okay. Than his first name. Well, it'd be great to interview you guys. Yes. Oh, wait, wait. Say what he is. He's Indian. Indian. Yeah. Full, 100%. Punjab. Yep. Yes. Nice. It'd be cool to interview you guys. That'd be yeah, cool. you'll have to check us out on that episode because it'll be fun to interview. Gosh. I love it, that. Because it's interesting. I'm interested in, in you guys' dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. Because I... <laughs> Jinx. I am interested in that because just that you're not married yet and um, just how, that, how those cultures mesh mm-hmm. because... Gosh, it's freaking hard to mesh American and Mexican culture. Well, I think it's just a communication thing, right? It's oh, in yeah. any relationship, business, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, friendships, yeah. the communication is truly the key important factor. And um, being raised by different cultures, there's going to be a little bit of a communication barrier, you know, mm-hmm. and even even more direct language barriers for example, I mean, I, I know we talked about this earlier, but uh, Sood's parents and family, they speak Punjabi. So they speak English a, a bit too. However, when I'm around all of them, they only speak English if it's to me. Dude, same with Damaris's yeah. parents. Oh my gosh. Lots of synergy. Such a good content. We have such good content for that episode. Yeah. You guys wow. have to check us out there. Amsel have to let you know when that episode drops. To be continued. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Can't wait. I'll have to fly back out here. Or we can do like a FaceTime interview. We can do a FaceTime interview. That could work. Nice. Well, thanks so much, Nicole, for talking to me Thank for all for this time. Me. Thanks so much for letting us stay in your house. You're letting welcome. me Thank and my mom time. stay here. Well, keep on doing your thing. Thanks, Ams. You I'm too. sure your business will be very profitable because you are profitable (laughs) (laughs) i'm ambitious yes you are ambitious keep up that ambition i'm excited to change people's lives and help people use natural resources to help good for you i have no doubt that you would be successful thanks sams okay all right guys thanks for having me bye thank you guys so much for listening to the very first episode of ambitious if you want to follow nicole you can find her on instagram at Miss Nick Wynn, that's M-S-N-I-K-N-G-U-Y-E-N. I'll also put her all of her links in the description of the show notes. Uh, you can also follow her CBD oil account at Change by Day on Instagram. Give her some love. Tell her thanks so much for being on the first episode of my podcast. I'm going to keep this podcast going. I'm going to interview lots of people with great ambition who I think would be interesting to listen to. It's going to be so exciting, and I love you. Bye.